homily for the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks, January 1st, 2023. Happy New Year to all of our households and to all of you listening. What the rest of the world is celebrating as New Year's Day is also an important date on the Church's calendar, but for a different reason. January 1st is the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God, and when the day falls on a Sunday, the celebration takes precedence. For us here at St. Mary's, I like to think of today as a principal feast day. Traditionally, a Jewish family marked the eighth day of their newborn son with a circumcision and naming ceremony. The Church has chosen to direct her attention this day to the specific and august role that Mary fulfills. To call any human being the Mother of God is audacious, to the point of seeming impossible. However, today's solemnity echoes the importance of the Father sending none other than His only begotten Son to be born into human history. Theologians marvel over this reality of a divine person, the second person of the Holy Trinity, experiencing all of what we experience except for sin, hunger, thirst, discomfort, and the helpless nature of an infant who needs his parents to do everything for him. The title we give Mary follows from a logical process. Jesus is truly God and truly man. Mary is truly his mother. Therefore, Mother of God is the proper title for her. I want to take some time today to tell a story that may be familiar to many of you, but it's a remarkable story of how the Blessed Mother has been active in our part of the world to bring millions of people to her son. The story is reflected both in the chasuble I am wearing today and in this artwork which normally hangs in the hallway near the parish office. How did the devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe come about, and what does it mean for us? Missionaries from Spain first arrived in what is now Mexico in the early 16th century. The work of evangelization was very tough sledding in those first years. Learning a whole new language was only one part of it. The Aztec culture had a deeply entrenched religious system, which most of them did not want to relinquish. Convincing the native peoples that faith in Christ sought to remove what was sinful among their customs was a hard sell. Complicating matters were episodes of brutality and crassness on the part of numerous Spanish conquistadors. The clergy tried to draw a distinction between those displays of bad behavior and their own selfless motivation. It got to the point that Bishop-elect Zumarraga, who had arrived in Mexico in 1528, was about to write to the king requesting to return to Europe because he believed he was not the one who could fulfill the task before him. Enter into the story a 57-year-old convert and recent widower who took the name Juan Diego at his baptism. In December 1531, Juan was on his way to the mission to bring one of the priests to anoint his uncle, who was gravely ill. 
at a site called Tepeyac Hill, now within Mexico City. A beautiful woman with Aztec facial features appeared to him and announced herself as the Blessed Virgin Mary. She asked Juan to go to the bishop with the request to build a shrine in her honor at that very spot. The whole thing must have seemed outrageous to Juan. How could he, such a humble man, persuade the bishop, of all people, that he was telling the truth? The bishop received Juan with compassion, but told him he could not act on the request without some sort of evidence or a sign. Incidentally, the vision of Mary waylaid Juan from his pressing errand. Mary assured him that his uncle would recover from his illness, and so he did. When she appeared to Juan again, December 12, 1531, she directed him to a growth of roses on the hilltop nearby. This was doubly miraculous. Not only was it winter and outside of the growing season, but the roses were a variety found in Bishop Zumaraga's home province of Castile, and definitely not in the New World. Juan clipped the roses and placed them in his outer garment called a tilma, made of coarse cactus fibers. When he met the bishop and those gathered with him, he released the tilma, causing the flowers to cascade to the floor. Little did any of them know that the greatest sign of all would be not the flowers themselves, but the image left on Juan's tilma. As for Juan himself, he lived on the site until his death in 1547 as a monk and host, receiving people as they streamed to the place upon hearing the wondrous story. St. Juan Diego was canonized in 2002. Such garments, like that tilma, would typically wear out or disintegrate in a matter of years. But the tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe remains intact to this day and is displayed at the Shrine Basilica built on that location. Prior to the pandemic, an average of 20 million pilgrims would come there each year. We can point out very many wondrous things about this image, but I will just name a few. First of all, upon close examination, Scientists were shocked to discover that there is no paint or pigment on the garment. No substance to scratch off or wash away. Not even any sketching or outline. The image, for lack of a more precise description, just appears to the viewer, almost like a hologram. To be some kind of fake or forgery, there would have to be drawings on the fabric, but there are none. The scientists also analyzed the garment's temperature, sensing an unnatural heat coming off it. Rather than to assume room temperature, the garment holds a temperature of 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. St. Juan Diego's tilma acts like a living human being. It is not a stretch to say that Mary herself is living among us there in a mystical way. Notice the stars throughout the Blessed Mother's green-blue outer cloak. Astronomers have concluded that the pattern of the constellations corresponds exactly to their location in the nighttime sky on December 12, 1531. Amazingly, the constellations are shown as from outside the heavens, 
so to speak, in a reverse angle. This means that they constitute a picture of someone's perspective looking down upon the earth as if beyond the universe. Perhaps the most astounding detail is found in Mary's eyes. Almost a hundred years ago, the microscopic likeness of a bearded man was discovered in the pupils of the Blessed Mother. The bearded man corresponds to contemporaneous portraits of Juan Diego. No human painter could have foreseen putting infinitesimally small images of Juan Diego in the eyes of the Virgin so that later methods of technology could detect them. Some years later, an eye doctor from Peru was given permission to examine Mary's eyes at 2,500 times magnification. He was able to identify 13 individuals in both eyes at different proportions, just as a human eye would do. It appeared to be the very moment Juan Diego revealed the tilma to the bishop and his retinue. We here in North America have received a tremendous gift indeed. When we share the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, or any other miraculous apparition of our dear patroness, let's think of it not so much as an academic exercise, in which we observe God's handiwork from afar. On the contrary, Mary desires to be close to all of us who proclaim Jesus, her Son, to be our Savior. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.